0: Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. The show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 648 with Diane Deresta. If you have seen and heard your fair share of suboptimal online meetings, Diane's got some pro tips for how you can not be part of that problem to have an awesome screen presence. You'll learn one, the simple change that dramatically improves your presence. Two, cost-efficient tips for improving your audio. And three, expert tips for engaging your virtual audience. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've referenced, drop on by awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP648. And if you're visiting us at job.com, I encourage you to, to sign up for the gold nugget email list which provides summary insights from Diane and, and every podcast guest who's gone before her. You can do a quick read of their wisdom of an episode in about two or three minutes. So that's the gold nuggets at awesomeatyourjob.com. Diane Duresta CSP is the founder and CEO of Duress Communications, Inc., a New York City consultancy that serves business leaders who deliver high-stakes presentations, whether one-on-one, in front of a crowd, or from an electronic platform. A certified speaking professional, DeResta is one of only 12% of speakers to hold that designation. She was the president of the New York City chapter of the National Speakers Association and former media trainer for the NBA and WNBA. Big thanks to Diane for sharing her wisdom with us. And big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. now. Here's Diane. Diane, thanks for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast.
1: It's great to be back.
0: Yeah. It, well, it's great to have you back. And well, yeah, a, a lot of things have evolved <laughs> since our last conversation. Uh-huh. Well, so much of your business has, has now shifted to a whole boatload of, of virtual meetings, presentations, trainings, interactions. Yes. Tell us, how's that shift in experience gone for you? I love the
1: virtual world. Now, what's interesting is I had already started virtual coaching before COVID hit because I had some people who were from North Carolina, Canada, Texas. So what I was doing ideally when I could is either they were coming to New York for the first visit or I was going to them. And then it worked really well virtually. But once COVID hit, It was all virtual and I didn't get any pushback from people. I had one client who I started with in person. He had one session left and he didn't want to do it virtually. And then finally he realized this might be a year or so and he said, let me do it. And so he realized it's working really well. So I've I've done training sessions, speaking engagements, and coaching virtually. I really like it.
0: Okay, cool. Well, so you're a pro and you have made the transition like a Mm -hmm. pro. Can you share with us any surprises in in your own personal experience as you've made the transition?
1: Well, the first thing I did immediately is I went for certification. So I'm now a certified virtual presenter.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. Where does one get that? Through eSpeakers.
0: Okay. Oh, that's right. I have seen that little icon yes. there. Sometimes yeah. we recruit guests from speakers because they have a huge database of experts, mm-hmm. pro tip podcasters. <laughs>
1: yes. And so, well, it was important for my credibility. And a big surprise to me was how bad some of these presentations are from people at higher levels. So the first surprise was I was watching TV and I saw the senator that I had seen many times On the news who was a spokesperson who was very media savvy very good and I witnessed her first zoom presentation and it was like this side of the face looking down she didn't even know where the camera was and I was shocked like how could this happen Mm. and then someone explained to me well when you're in the media at that level people are doing things for you, you know, you're talking into a teleprompter, there's a producer, so they don't really learn this. So I realized there is a market here and people need me. So I start to rant when I see these kinds of things happening. I was working with a physician, I was a facilitator or an interviewer for a health summit, a virtual summit. We had a conversation beforehand, we met about five minutes before the meeting, and I was shocked once again because here he was in his office with a ceiling fan, a mm. rotating ceiling fan. So I got rid of that through manipulation of the laptop. But then his backdrop was so messy. There were tons and piles of books and papers and files, and there was nothing I could do. Mm. So here's what people need to realize you are communicating a message and that messy background interferes. Number one, it's a distraction to the message. But secondly, it's communicating another message about your presence. So there are some people who feel or believe that if they have really good credentials and they have very good content, that that's what counts. But no, if you have a mess behind you, you're communicating sloppiness. So what does that mean? Is your research sloppy? It's your presentation mm. sloppy. So it's really important.
0: Well, boy, there's so much there mm-hmm. in terms of one, those associations. And, and mm-hmm. I'm reminded of... Well, I've got that book in my background, uh, Persuasion by uh-huh. uh, Bob Shaldini, talking about yes. how we have associations. Like if, if a resume is on a heavy clipboard, we, we sort of have, associate some weight to it. If you're given a warm cup of tea, you, you might have some, some warmth toward the person who, who shared that. And so, so, so there's some studies that, that point to that. And so then how much more so when it's your entire background, that which is in my field of view as I'm beholding you mm-hmm. is messy. like that that association will, will pop up all the more so.
1: Absolutely. So this is what's different. And this is why I'm helping people translate stage presence into screen presence, because the 3D world is very different from the virtual platform. So one of the things people have to realize is they need to stage themselves. When you go into a meeting in a 3D world, The meeting room is there. You go into a conference room. The overhead lighting is there. The table is there. You don't do any of that. But when you're recording from your home or office, home office, you need to change the way that looks. You need to take control. So you become a producer. And the staging is very important. It's the backdrop, the background. And so when I talk about staging, it's what's your backdrop. So you have a few options. One is a screen. I have Mm -hmm. a room divider and what that allows me to do is hide any mess so that I can be camera ready in a pinch. And we just had this experience a moment ago. You saw the mess behind me and Mm -hmm. there was no dial to change the backdrop. So I took my screen out. So that's the first thing. It's a physical screen. Secondly, you can change your backdrop. I use Zoom a lot. And so you can upload your own backdrop. Now here are some choices. One is if you want to promote if you want to communicate your brand, you can create your own. So what I have is my logo on one side and my book and my certified virtual presenter on the other side. So it's speaking for me, Mm -hmm. but you can have a nice scene, a, a beach scene or a mountain scene, and that's very calming. Or you can have a regular real-world backdrop. So for instance, if you have a lovely living room or a very calm, soothing office, and that's real, use it. But Mm -hmm. make sure that it is supporting you, that it it supports your brand. So I would say, be mindful and be strategic. What is it that you want to communicate? Now, let me explain why this can impact you on your job. People take this lightly. When we first came to the virtual platform post-COVID, people were very casual. They were showing up in their hoodies. But then we got over that because we realized this is here to stay. Well, I had a client who said to me, listen, Diane, full disclosure. In the beginning, we hired a vendor and they did four hours of virtual training. And I still don't like how my team is showing up. They're too casual. They're too lax. So I came in and I did a two-hour workshop. And one of the things we did is staging. And so They learned how to center. They learned about lighting. They learned about backdrops. They learned about anything that would distract. So, what was fun is I had them look at still pictures of people in a frame and they had to critique it. And then I had them do it on each other. So, I'd call on someone and say, All right, Pete, we're going to have someone else look at you. So, Joe, take a look Mm -hmm. at Pete right now. What would you say about him if you were coaching him on his backdrop, on his staging? And it was very enlightening for them. And they realized that, oh, this is about presence. It affects your executive presence. So your screen presence can't be lax.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I feel that in many regards, in in terms of visually, as well as as auditorily. And Mm -hmm. before I go there, since that's a whole other ball of wax, I love that technique there associated with having peers review each other because mm-hmm. they, and sometimes they may have, they may have something they've been wanting to say for months. <laughs> that thing has been annoying me. <laughs> well, we so don't long. do it that way. <laughs> right, certainly. Well in terms, I'm sure it's, it's constructive and uplifting, uh-huh. positive and useful and, and so forth. So that's great right there in terms of a, a great way to get feedback, because I think a lot of times we don't even see That Mm -mm. stuff, because we're just so accustomed to it. Sometimes I I don't even see my own mess in the house. If it's been there for a long time, like, oh, yeah, I guess there's no reason whatsoever for that thing to be hanging out there. But someone else coming in will say, if we're good friends, like, what's up with that? Randomly (laughs) shot in the corner.
1: Well, you know, I had another client and I had done a similar workshop for them and then they got a new CEO and the HR person contacted me and said, listen, I want you to talk to his assistant because the way he's showing up, he he really needs your training. So I worked with him and he said, you know, talk away, tell me what I need. I don't have the equipment. I don't know about my backdrop. And he had some, a, a backdrop that he created. And I said, no, that doesn't work for you. Let's come up with something else. And afterwards, the next day or the next week, his assistant called me and said, wow, I really see a difference. So it really is skill-based. People don't know a lot of times what they need to do and they don't know how they're coming across. And so that's where I come in.
0: Absolutely but actually to also follow up on the point you brought up at the beginning it's it's skill based and if you are senior you may very well have people that are handling all kinds of things for you and and so you need that skill and it could really be a blind spot so so great that we're shining a, a spotlight on that mm-hmm. right now but now i got to hear if this person made the time to construct their own background but it wasn't working for them what makes a background bad
1: well here's the thing he didn't construct it was one of those backgrounds that you can download. And it looked like it had flip charts on the floor and it said, you know, it doesn't look right. Let's take it out. In fact, when he had no backdrop and he was in a regular office that actually looked better. Mm -hmm. So he just needed the feedback.
0: Sure. Okay. So yeah, so there could be any number of reasons why something doesn't fit and maybe flip charts on the floor. I don't know if you're a design thinking coach might be perfect. Like, oh, that really gets me in a creative space. (laughs) (laughs) Yes,
1: but not for a CEO. It did not communicate his brand and his level. So again, I tell people be strategic. How do you want to be perceived? Because you have the power, you have the control over how people are going to perceive you by how you show up. And we all know, the studies about the visual and the impact and it takes seven seconds or less to make a first impression. And boom, as soon as you turn on the camera, they see that. And that's their first impression. So make it positive. Make Mm -hmm. it powerful.
0: Well we talked about sort of the visual components Mm -hmm. here. I'd love to talk about audio and I'm going to try not (laughs) to dork out too hard here because I'm pretty intense about this. Well Diane, you've seen the booking process. Mm -hmm. The choices are are you going to be in a professional studio? Or should I send you a headset? Those are the only two choices. <laughs> and you can debate what constitutes professional in terms of audio. But but that is my experience that if something is unpleasant to hear, well, one, there's those associations again. It's like, hmm, I just don't like the feeling of you talking <laughs> like you don't want that associated with you just because of a bad microphone. True. And two, I mean, I've got hard data from podcast listeners, bad or even a little bit worse than mediocre so like maybe slightly disappointing audio quality results in lower engagement yes people just tune out and stop listening earlier i've got hard numbers on this when the sound is lame so tell us
1: how do we make sound not lame well you're exactly right if you have to air it's people will forgive you let's say on youtube if your lighting isn't great but not the audio. The audio is really key. So how do you make your sound good? The first thing is the worst kind of sound is when you talk directly to the computer because it sounds tinny. And I know when I see these news shows and they bring in experts and they're talking to their computers, it's irritating for me to listen to.
0: Now, do you mean the computer's internal microphone talking to the computer? Yes. In okay. other
1: words, you don't have any external mic. You're just talking to the internal mic and it's tinny it's not the best quality so at the very lowest level put in some earbuds i've used them they work really well get an external mic uh, the yeti is one of the the top level mics and again when you have microphones and you test them it'll be much more effective you can also use a headset the logitech is a good brand i actually was on a very high level podcast and this podcast host required a certain headset
0: johnny dumas the logitech h390 yes yes
1: yes, <laughs> yes entrepreneurs on fire absolutely. Yeah. It's johnny dumas yes and he actually tells you which one to get and mm-hmm. i got it and i don't use it that often because it was interesting in my network group today a question came up what about headsets and executive presence and i thought about it and i said you know it depends on your level I would not recommend someone at a high level at a senior level to be wearing a headset. It just doesn't look like an executive, but at other levels, it's appropriate. It really depends on the venue, the culture of your company, but headsets are good because They have the built-in mic. You don't have to worry about anything. It's all there. So it depends on what you like. If you're a podcaster, headsets are the best, usually the best choice.
0: Well, yeah, it's sort of like in our world. So we send headsets to guests because it's like, hey, we're only recording the audio. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter to listeners what you look like. It doesn't matter to me. You look great with your backdrop there. Thank you. But so (laughs) I, I think that's great. I will make a shout out. We've spent dozens of hours testing many, many headsets. And we love the Sennheiser or Impact Epos SC30 or 60 in Mm -hmm. terms of of bang for the buck, in terms of mic quality. Not the most comfortable or durable or best uh, (laughs) headphones, but darn it for a great sounding mic at a great price. That's, I think, the best game in town. Mm -hmm. And, And I got a comment on the Yeti. I think the key to using that well, and and please chime in, Diana, if you've got some perspectives on this, is that you want to set it to the cardioid pickup pattern and speak pretty close to it Mm -hmm. and have enough stuff in the room so it's not super echoey. Because I've seen a Yeti in a closet is a dream come true. Mm -hmm. A Yeti in an empty room is echoey and, and unpleasant.
1: Yes. There is the acoustics factor, and there are c- certain microphones that are unidimensional or multidimensional, and you need to know which one they are so that you can speak differently. So there are certain microphones where you speak right to the head, and there are others that are stand-up, and you speak to the side of the mic, right. depending on which kind of totally. microphone it is.
0: Well, so I think that's that's great, and, and that notion of, it's just the... the Stepping into your thought process is excellent in terms of thinking about the headset and the presence and the impression that that gives. I could totally see what you're saying with regard to if you are, you know, a CEO or senior executive, Mm -hmm. a headset kind of makes you think call center, like wait a minute. Yes. Yes. It doesn't feel quite right. But then again, if you are an analyst, I'm thinking about like... um, (laughs) Well, Jack Bauer, CTU, the 24 TV series, like like CIA analysts mm-hmm. who are like fighting terrorism and, mm-hmm. and and using computers and being brilliant at them. That can kind of fit in terms yes. of like, oh, look at you, yeah. you're, you're, a, you're a hardcore and you don't have time to waste. You're going to be clear and then get right back to coming up with brilliant insights from your analysis.
1: It goes back to your style, the culture, what you're trying yeah. to communicate.
0: Totally. That's cool. Okay, well, well, we've gotten a a lot of great tips here. So let's talk more about maybe sort of like your mindset or or thought process or key questions to go through. Because, I mean, we can get the the particulars in terms of what's a great background and what's a great Mm -hmm. meeting platform software and what's a great microphone. I just want to hear about how we should go about thinking through these questions to make the perfect choices for ourselves.
1: Well, the first thing is people are not familiar with the technology and there are so many different platforms. There's zoom, there's teams, there's Google meet, there's Webex. And so you need to know which one you're on and get familiar with it. And in fact, I went to a seminar that was virtual court, you know, the virtual Hmm. courtroom. It was for lawyers, but I thought it'd be very interesting. And one of the things that they said, the judge said is we offer jurors or people coming for hearings, the day before to meet with a court officer who will train them and take them through the process. That's really important because too often people are on mute and people don't know it. And in fact, there's a coffee mug I've seen. It says you're on mute. Mm -hmm. And I think that is brilliant because it happens on every call. So you need to get familiar with the technology. You need some help. One of the worst situations, there was a professor recently and he was giving a lecture and it was really interesting. But he started out and he didn't even know he was on mute. And because there was no video, they were trying to let him know. And it took a while. And then finally this, oh, his wife's coming. She knows technology. And then he said, well, you know, I'm a technophobe. You've got to be prepared. You can't mm-hmm. let that kind of thing happen. So that's really key.
0: That's true. Either you got to have the skills or you have to have a team immediately available yes. whenever yes. the situation calls for it.
1: And even then things can go wrong.
0: Oh, sure. You're talking about virtual court. We're, we're just going to have to link to this because it's the funniest thing I think I've seen this year. Have Are you, you seen the about cat? I'm not a cat? Oh yes. my gosh. I'm not a cat.
1: I blogged about that. Oh. And, you know, I said the same thing. It's like, get there early, test it out, because that was so embarrassing. <laughs> and it was funny, but it was embarrassing. So we don't ever want to be at a, a position. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, there was a viral video. There was a lawyer in court, and he had he couldn't get his video to work except for an animated cat. So every time he spoke, it was his voice through this cat. And then he said, to, and the judge was saying, well, check your filters, and he still couldn't get it to stop. <laughs> That's an embarrassment. You don't want that to happen on the job.
0: I'm here live, Judge. I'm not a cat. It is the funniest thing I I have seen thus far in 2021. So do yourselves a favor and pull that up.
1: I will tell you, (laughs) one of the things that people don't realize is, and this, this is my rant, the talking head is dead. Truly, the talking head is dead. So if you think you're going to come online and lecture, you're not going to be successful. People will tune you out. So I talk about the two E's, which are very different in the virtual world. And that's eye contact and engagement. Mm -hmm. Eye contact, when I coach people in the 3D world, I tell them, look at one person at a time and spread it around. So you're looking at the whole audience. It the reverse is true online, you want to look directly at the lens of your camera. Now, this is hard because it's like having a satellite interview. So here's what I do. When I'm speaking, I look at the lens. When you're speaking, I look at you so I can catch the nonverbals. But if I don't look at the lens when I'm speaking, I'm not making a direct eye connection. Mm -hmm. The second thing is I always encourage people to start out with interaction. A poll is great or a question where they respond in the chat. Because if you don't do that and if you don't engage them immediately, they're on their phones. They're going through their papers, they're doing other things because they think they can just flip you on and listen as if it was an ongoing webinar. So don't do a slideshow where you're just a voice over slides because you will not have an audience paying attention. So Mm. those are key.
0: Yeah, that is big. And that's a great point on the eye contact with Mm -hmm. regard to just getting in that habit in terms of now I'm looking at the lens. Mm hmm. And now I'm looking at you and I'm sure someday one of these tech people are going to make a lens inside a screen so that it's <laughs>
1: happening. I think, yeah. uh, I think it might be NVIDIA. It's already happening, but it's not going to be available for us, but eventually it will.
0: Yeah. So here we are. And I think that's a good point with regard to conscientiously choosing that because it makes an impact in, in terms of like, I have a different feeling when you are looking right at the, the lens. Mm hmm. And, and, that, and I'm seeing you do that, then the reverse, even though it's so weird, right? That we are not actually able to both make eye contact with each other at the same time.
1: And that's one of the downfalls of the virtual world. But just think of yourselves almost as a broadcaster or an actor, and you're talking to the camera. and you, And I can see you. I can't see your face, but I see you there in my peripheral vision. But mm-hmm. now when you talk, I'm going to look at you.
0: Yeah. That's great. That's
1: that's what I do these days.
0: That's great. Well, let's talk about the the engagement Mm -hmm. piece in terms of uh, interactive, a poll. I would love for you to just rapid fire, share your favorite tips, tactics, tricks, brainstorms on how to engage virtually. I think uh, a poll is great. What are some other ways you'd like to do that?
1: Well, you know, it depends on your platform. Some are more robust than other. I have the enterprise version of Zoom and you you can do a lot of things. So polls are great. It can be a a question answer a a one word or a sentence response or it could be multiple choice. What's great about polls is they're fun because we can see them in the moment. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I do after a presentation is I raffle off digital copy of my book knockout presentations and the way i do that is there's a virtual wheel and i input everybody's name before the presentation and then i go to that wheel and spin it so they can see it and they can see their name, the Mm -hmm. the spindle landing on their name. And Uh it's a lot of fun. It keeps people engaged. And it also keeps them engaged to the end because they know that they're going to get a prize. So you have to have something at the end that they're
0: looking Mm -hmm. forward to. Yeah.
1: Other ways that you can engage people. And of course, we have breakout rooms and that, that way people are getting into small pods and they're talking to each other, which is great. I love some of the icons, the hand raising now, you can do this a couple of ways, one with the icon, or you can just have people raise their hand mm-hmm. visually. Sometimes when you need an icebreaker, if you see there's a lull in the conversation, what you can do, uh, I have a friend who does fabulous footwear. She'll say, all right, everybody take off your shoe and hold it up and let's see who has the most interesting shoe. And again, that can be something fun. You can use music. And I like to do something called square dancing when I want to get energy going. And so you put on the music, you crank it up, and then people start dancing in their squares. Mm -hmm. And again, Mm -hmm. people are moving to the music.
0: Yeah, that's kind of fun to watch in a gallery view, everyone moving at the same time. Okay.
1: Now, of course, if you're talking to an investor, you're not going to use that Mm -hmm. technique, but it depends. Now, here's something that is a lot of fun. It's an investment because you have to pay for this. But you can go online and download software games such as Jeopardy wheel of fortune, and let's make a deal, whatever those are. Mm -hmm. And then you can use them as part of your learning. So let's say you're doing sales training. Instead of the typical lecture and who has the answer, you can have two teams and you can input different answers beforehand and then you call in a team, they give you an answer and either they get it or they don't. So it's a lot of fun and it's very engaging. So oh, some is of cool. the software games are fun.
0: Well, I'd love to zoom in on, on a couple of these in particular. So software games, th- there's a training company that does this. Yes. Uh, is there one in particular that uh, you can mention here?
1: A training arcade.
0: Oh, training arcade. Okay. So they have like the Jeopardy piece over mm-hmm. there. Okay. Excellent. So you can
1: download them. You're going to pay for them, but it's worth it if mm-hmm. you have a lot of people. So I would say if your goal is to train or to have fun or to motivate, if you're in a sales culture, uh, training culture, you might want to do that.
0: Okay, excellent. And then your little spinny piece, the spinning wheel. what was that?
1: That is called... WheelofNames.com.
0: wheel of names. Okay. Very cool.
1: What you do is you input the names in advance. So let's Mm -hmm. say I have 20 people who are coming. I would put those 20 names in. And then when I was ready, I would go to that page online and I would start spinning. It's so much fun.
0: Well, And I think that's, that's so cool. Is that just the ability to share your screen Mm -hmm. enables tons of things to be possible in terms of, I, I remember, and this is very, rudimentary but i remember when i have my mastermind meetings with my fellow podcasters uh, who are awesome everyone has been on the show (laughs) and vice versa as it should be with a mastermind Mm -hmm. even just someone having the notes and the timer Mm -hmm. and then sharing that screen so we're looking at the notes and the timer it makes it more engaging than hey we're just kind of talking you know, so yes. I mean just those those little things can make a world of difference even when it's nothing fancy at all.
1: Using a whiteboard and oh, actually yeah. drawing in real time. See, here's the thing with the brain. Every time you do something different, it stimulates attention. So no. even the act of going to share your screen to show a document, people are it's something new, they're going to go and look.
0: Great point. It just has, it feels good to task switch or, or multitask, mm-hmm. even though that's has perils, which we've discussed several times. Uh, so two, does just switching it up uh, feel good in that way? And, and I'm thinking about, I think Miro is, hey, they were sponsored once. They're awesome. Uh, has a lot of cool ways to like whiteboard and, and engage interactively there. Mm-hmm. And I'm also thinking about even just like a like a Google Sheets that we've had some moments where it's like, okay guys, We've all talked about these options and and now it's time for us to each on our own sheet uh, rank, rank or rate how well uh, we think each of these options hits each of these criteria. Mm-hmm. And then there's sort of a, a top-level sheet that, that summarizes. And sure enough, I find that supremely engaging because my heart's thumping. I'm kind of wondering, like, what number are they putting? What number am I putting? Should I check right. what number they're putting? Right. No, Pete, don't be like the Olympic judge. You know, stand by your own opinions. Don't sneak a peek. It's like, I wonder if the one I'm supporting is going to be the winner. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah.
1: And also video yeah. clips. You know, You can show a quick video clip. Totally, that everybody watches and then can comment on. So there are a number of ways you can do this. You can actually have people write their responses in the chat, or you can open up the mics. Yes, call on someone and say, "Let's hear your voice," because people want to talk. They want to hear their own voice. So mm-hmm. a number of techniques help to engage. That's good. So the more variety, the better.
0: That's good. Well, Diane, tell me anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things.
1: I would say a couple of things. People don't realize that this is a skill. And I always say that gifted speakers are born, but effective speakers are made. So make a commitment to learn these skills because years ago, I used to say that tomorrow speakers would need broadcasting skills. And we are here. We are way beyond Mm. that. So you need to start thinking of yourself as a broadcaster, not just a speaker presenter.
0: All right. Thank you. Diane, now could you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring?
1: The quote that I put in my high school yearbook, which is a quitter never wins, a winner never quits.
0: Mm -hmm. Thank you. And a favorite study or a piece of research?
1: I like some of the research that's coming out about women. The the one I read recently was, you know, the the belief that women are talkers. And yet when they show the research, I believe it was Harvard or Stanford, women actually talk less than men do in meetings. Okay. So it, it, it really blew away a stereotype. And a favorite book? the science of mind and think and grow rich. The science of mind is a huge textbook like book by Ernest Holmes, but it's all about spiritual mental training, which really helps people understand the power they have when they use the power of their mind.
0: And a favorite tool, something you use to be awesome at your job.
1: A favorite tool. I love Zoom. I use Zoom okay. all the time.
0: And a favorite habit.
1: I don't know if it's a favorite habit, but I have a habit of getting up early now, and that makes a big difference in my productivity. I get up at 5.30 in the morning. To me, that's early. And that allows me to create certain rituals, so prayers, affirmations, and I read one page of something spiritual before I look at my
0: phone. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And is there a particular nugget you share that seems to connect and resonate and get quoted back to you frequently?
1: What I said earlier, that gifted speakers are born and effective speakers are made.
0: Okay. And if folks want to learn more, get in touch, where would you point them?
1: The best place is my website, diresta.com, D-I-R-E-S-T-A. And I want to tell people that I'm going to be starting a group coaching for women, for women business professionals, so that they can feel more confident and have the support of a group as well as work with me in a coaching capacity. So that's coming up. If you would like to learn more about that, send me an email through diresta.com. And you can also get my book, Knockout Presentations, on Amazon or any of the online stores.
0: Okay. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs?
1: The final challenge is Commit to being a good communicator. I don't think there's any skill that's more impactful or important than communication. It doesn't matter how technically proficient you are or how smart you are. You need to be able to be a good communicator. So make a commitment and make a commitment to be able to do that on the virtual platform because this is not going away.
0: All right. Diane, this has been a treat. Thank you. And I wish you lots of luck with all your presentations, virtual and in person.
1: Thank you. And I wish you success on the platform of life and may all your presentations be a knockout.
0: I really loved so much of what Diane had to say. And it makes a world of difference in terms of your presence, your background, how you look. And I'm going to add as a podcaster, how you sound. And we dorked out there pretty big on, <laughs> on the Blue Yeti, which is great in a room that can have a sound absorption, like a, a closet or just one that has a lot of soft things to absorb echo. And also that Sennheiser SC30 or SC60 headset is is a dream. We've sent many of those to many guests. I would just might further add, if you're going to have it, pretty close to your mouth to add a little windscreen or that little piece of foam so that you don't hear the, the, I just blew into the microphone there intentionally. You don't hear those, those plosives, those P's and B's as much. I would also respectfully request that you not purchase dozens of them on Amazon all at once without letting me know, because sometimes they're sold out and we have to go to our second choice headset for guests. So if you want to see the show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced, it's at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP648. Hope to catch you next time and peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers. Subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers,
1: but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> auto trader.